2: Today is Sunday, March 19th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode
0: 504 features the Athletics' Jared Weiss. And I'm Evan Valenti. This show is powered by FanDuel, HelloFresh, and BetterHelp. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to get a $200 bonus on your first bet, of at least $5 or more. Go to HelloFresh.com and use the promo code BEAT60 for 60% off and free shipping. and Go to betterhelp.com slash beat. Get 10% off your first month.
2: Okay, what's up, everybody? New edition of Celtics Beat. I'd uh, say I hope all are well, but if you watch the Celtics game in Utah, you're probably still a little sick to your stomach. If I look disheveled at all, like I haven't showered or or, uh, anything like that, one, I don't know anything to you i don't have to and two i yeah I, I sort of feel like crap after this thing kaufman valenti and here uh for the first time in a little while I, I don't even know the last time but kind enough to rejoin us from the athletic jared weiss how are you man
1: i'm phenomenal
2: it, it I, looks beautiful like where you are
1: yeah. yeah it's a gorgeous 35 degree st patrick's day sunday so it's gonna be uh this guy's gonna be full of booze in no time i'm sure
2: yeah. Well, I guess if, if anyone had reason to celebrate after that Celtics loss, having nothing to do specifically with the defeat, it was the fact that eventually, later on in the night, Celtics did clinch a playoff spot. And so we know Boston's heading back to the playoffs. We've known that for a while. It's a foregone conclusion. Question, of course, will be seeding, sort of battling one to three right now. They've dipped to third, although still two games back of first and in a tie for second in that sense, but not the exact number of games played. I don't want to give you the popsicle headache with all of it, but... This kind of, I think Jared is going to be more of a, uh, a, a, it's always a big picture show, but more of a bigger picture. Okay. 10 games left before the playoffs do arrive. You know, the, the seas overall, it's, I, I think people will be generally fine with a four and two trip. If they can go out on Tuesday and, you know, win in Sacramento, beat Kyle Draper's Kings, that would be wonderful. But yeah. there are a lot of things that came out of that game in Utah and just general trends basically over the last few months. That people are not happy about. And I want to, before we jump into everything, I want to read just some of the, the Twitter interaction last night because my mentions, I couldn't even read through all of them. Not because I didn't want to. They just were nuts. Uh, I tweeted out among other tweets, bad loss. No doubt Celtics were up by 19 points, nearly double digits late, blew it, should have had the W, but let's not pretend they weren't missing three starters either. Three of their best defenders, too. No Horford, no Smart, obviously no Rob Williams, who could be playing soon. These big-picture overreactions are wild. Tomorrow is a new day. So among the replies, uh Pats fan Mike, this team is missing something and not good enough. 28-point lead to the Nets, multiple 15-plus-point leads uh, blown, lost to the Rockets. I'm sorry you can't see it. Colin, Celtics are tied for uh, third seed after having the best record in the NBA most of the season. Each loss makes the path to a championship more difficult, and they've been trending down for months. That's why there's worry. Dave says the absolute best position you can be in against the Celtics is down 15. You're guaranteed to win. Uh, Sam Berger, stop making excuses. How many times this year have we said bad loss? How many times have starters been missing? There's a reason they're missing. They're injury-prone. Tatum has been terrible for over a month. The big picture is concern. I loved this one, too. Uh Sean, go watch the documentary on the 86 Celtics. Shout out, by the way, to NBC Sports Boston. A, a killer job on that. Then you will understand the standards we expect, the grit we know is possible, the determination we know that is needed, and then you will understand the overreactions with this group at times. Just saying they accept losing. Uh, and Matt adds in among uh, – there were so many tweets, but I'll I'll read one more. Big picture, if Tatum sucks, you're not winning anything, and he has sucked of late. So, Jared, tell me, before I get to some specific questions about some of the 10,000-foot uh, view, I guess, from fans, how are you feeling about this team right now as the playoffs are close?
1: I mean, clearly the problem is that Tatum sucks, apparently. So, oh uh, I mean I – mean,
2: can, can, I, can I mention, though, I would have hit a 16-leg parlay last night, if 16 legs, if Tatum had just had 21 points. <laughs> that's it. That shouldn't have been a big ask out of Jason Tatum, but yeah, go ahead. That's,
1: prob- that's probably your fault for betting on that. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. 16-leg parlay? What the hell is that even? I was um, screwing around. <laughs> so, Tatum has not been that good lately, and... Do, like, do you start resting him on you know non back to backs at this point? Do they even have a back to back left? I think they have one left, right? Two left. I'll double
2: back. check it for you.
1: Yeah, they have. Uh, mm-hmm. They have one at home against Utah, and then against Toronto the week after that. So, mm. I wonder if they're going to rest Tatum on some of these nights. I think they're past the point of you know Brad Stevens initially defended uh-huh. Tatum playing so many minutes by saying it's actually. Helpful for Tatum to get these deep, like these forty minute games during the regular season to help prepare him for the load of the playoffs, and that's true to a degree. But if it's happening twice a week, it's probably a little bit of overkill, right? So I think Tatum looks worn down, and I am sure the hip is still bothering him from the other night. The wrist seems to still be an issue from, uh, from you know what you can see out there. Just like with his just his shot release, just looks a little bit off. Um, you know he's not he's not going for the rack the same way, like with the same level of ferocity that he had earlier in the year, we're seeing a lot more of those ugly floaters again. So Tatum is just a little bit off. I think you got to give him a little bit of time to rest here. There's only 10 games left and they're close enough in the seating that, you know, they are in third place, but they're technically tied for second place. They're in second place. You know, it's like, we'll wait until the end of the season, not to mention, I think they play Philly, Again, yeah, coming right? up. right. Yeah, fourth yeah. last game. So that one mm-hmm. will basically serve as a tiebreaker if they're yep. knotted up. So, you know, like we can still look at them as second place either way. But third place sounds bad. It really reflects the state of affairs anyway. But so th- they can afford to rest Tatum here and challenge their team to be like, all right, go win without Tatum. And um, I, I mean, th- they have to be able to demonstrate that because, frankly, they haven't been playing well with Tatum. The, the There's just they're not in sync with him and on the crunch time offense he is kind of stagnant and the rest of the offense is stagnant and a lot of these key moments at the end of games and i think it'll be good for the team to just kind of get a couple chances to win those moments without him just to remind themselves like we're at our best when we're all moving around when we're working together and you know jt has like spent the whole year making really good reads doing a good job passing out of double teams like trying to draw a crowd and then kick out so it's not like it's not like Tatum doesn't know how to run the offense properly in crunch time it's just like we've just seen a lot of plays where they swing the ball to him and he's just like straight up just like stands there for five seconds waiting to square his guy up before doing like nothing with it and I mean we've seen great players do this over the years it's not like Jason Tatum invented the the crappy isolation in crunch time but it doesn't work very often It's like the worst thing that you can do basically in those moments. And this team was winning when they didn't do that stuff. And the fourth quarter was all about trying to reinvigorate the ball movement as things slow down. And they've lost that. It's not like it's completely gone. Like if you watch a fourth quarter, you're going to see a few possessions in there where you're like, all right, this looks good. But there's more possessions where it doesn't look good. And honestly, at this point, maybe having one of the Jays sitting on a few of these nights will actually be beneficial for them.
2: Will he refuse it? Will he? I mean, I, I know that ultimately he doesn't have the final say. I just mean, is he going to have a problem with it? Because to your point, he does look worn down and there's a, there's a big difference between a guy just looking off and a guy looking tired. You don't want a guy to look tired when the playoffs haven't even started yet. And you're hoping for a two month run with, you know, in, in his case, him or any number of guys around them, you know, on this team being at his absolute best, especially because, and I know this is in the back of his mind somewhere. The way he closed out the the postseason last year it was not a good final series against Golden State. You know, he's he's been talking about it throughout the offseason, much at, you know, at points of this season that, you know, he knows what's at stake. He knows that that there's an element of legacy long term on the line that these are that that was a series that was a championship. That they may look back as a missed opportunity last year, and everyone has been talking about them as a finals favorite, a championship favorite throughout the vast majority of this year.
1: Well, the last 15 games, they're eight and seven. They're not – they have not been a legit – not legit. They're still a legit contender. They've not been a front runner for months. No. That's changed. People still use full-season numbers with this team. And, like, that would be – I think that would kind of be like using full-season numbers with last year's team. Like, last year's team flipped a switch in January or, mm-hmm. or so, maybe yep. end of January, early February. And then they completely changed the way they played. They completely changed who they are. And we saw that that team for the most part carried through in the playoffs and obviously the playoffs are going to test you. you're going to recede into some of your bad habits and you try to break through those. that's okay. that's fine. that's how it goes. You know you If you, if you watch a, a, a champion play their game over the course of a playoff run, only a few of them really truly stuck to every one of their principles throughout the run. It's like it kind of forces you to do things the hard way and the ugly way to get by. That's how it usually works in a playoff run and right now we're seeing them playing playoff-type basketball and it's not going well and they're doing it against you know like they've had a few losses to teams that they should beat and you know it's you only you're not guaranteed to beat those teams right you should beat those teams utah it's not it's not like they're like It's not like they're Houston. God forbid you lose to a game to Houston. I couldn't imagine the the Celtics doing that. But, like, Utah's a team where if you lose to them, you're like, okay, like, they at least, like, play well. They have a few guys that can get hot. Walker Kessler is better than Rudy Gobert. It's like you can see how you could lose to Utah. That Houston game is just, like, this weird anomaly where I I don't know what they did the night before, but clearly uh, they didn't show up to that game at all. And so, you know, you look at the way that they're playing right now, it's like you can see that if they played the style of basketball, and they truly were locked in. They truly had that extra level of effort. They were making cuts. They were making reads a little bit more aggressively. They were crashing the glass a little bit more aggressively. You could see them winning these games. And so I think there's definitely a component of, like, it's the regular season. And, you know, Jalen Brown even said it. Like, it's hard for them to get up for these games. And as, as bad as that sounds, it's kind of understandable when you think about where they've been and where they're go- trying to get to. Um, but the problem is, like, you can't just walk into the playoffs playing like crap, and they're playing like crap. Like, it's pretty obvious. So, I, I
2: Evan, I, I know you've got a lot to say, and and we'll do that. But I just because we're on Tatum, I want to read this this text or tweet or whatever from Muhammad it says. Depends, you know, all of this, all these struggles. Depends what you think about Tatum. Is he really an MVP type player? He seems like someone who can't gather himself when things go bad. When he unravels, it's pretty bad. Can we? <laughs> Uh, can we trust someone like that to get you to the promised land? Because right now I trust JB Moore and I'm, I'm not putting, you know, credence into that. I still believe. And I think most people would believe Jason Tatum is overall a better player than Jalen Brown, but there's no question that in recent weeks Brown has been the better player.
1: Yeah. I mean, Mohammed's making a good point in that we've seen Tatum have these moments where he recedes into, I mean, I'm mean, i saying it again, recedes into his bad habits. Um, we saw it on that two for one in the Utah game where he came down and he just took a contested three right away. And we've seen a few times here where Tatum takes bad shots on the front end of a two for one that I think are pointless because you're then just putting yourself in a deeper hole to get a short possession shot off with more pressure on you you'd rather rather lose a two for one opportunity to create a good look or squeeze the other end of a two for one opportunity to get a good look what's the point of basically like when he comes down and he takes that shot he's basically punting on the possession because it's just not a good shot you know you can spend an extra five seconds to try to work a slightly better shot and i think we see that the tatum sometimes gets tunnel vision for heat checking in these big moments and I think Jalen Brown shows a little bit more patience within the system. Honestly, probably because he doesn't have the ball in his hands. Usually JT has the ball in his hands. Usually JB is getting shots set up for him. So there's times where JB will get a quick trigger on a you know spot of three where he's contested, but at least he didn't have the ball in his hands. And like, it wasn't like as much of a choice to do that. Like he kind of had to do that in that moment, a little bit more than JT does in those. And so I can see the perception that like people like Muhammad have of that. JB is a better decision maker. But like also, JB, a lot of the time, is kind of getting the decision fed to him. And it's really on JT or Smart to kind of read the whole floor and decide where they're going with it. And so that responsibility, I think, is another degree of difficulty. And if they had Jalen make those reads, it's been more spotty in the past, Jalen being able to really read the floor and make the, you know, the smart game management decision. I think Tatum, throughout the year, has been really good in that, even when he's gone cold. And so I, I think that... Home team fans tend to doubt their stars, I think, more than than other fans because they see their stars fail, and they forget that other team stars fail all the time too. It's like Luka Doncic; he he messes up all the time. He turns it over all the time in these big situations. He's a lot more risky than Tatum, honestly, but he also hits some of the most insane shots we've seen in our lifetime. So you know, if you look, if you compare him to like the other you know twenty five year old class of elite players that are kind of taking over the league. I think Tatum's probably on track with those guys and I think he's fine. And I'm not really worried about building around him long-term. Especially when you just consider the context of like, there is absolutely no way that the Celtics will ever get a player better than Jason Tatum until they like draft somebody again in the top three, 10 years from now or something like that. There's nothing you can do about replacing Jason Tatum. And there's no way that you can get out of Jason Tatum and put yourself in a better position to succeed. So, you gotta you gotta ride the tatum wave all the way to the end of his career at this point
2: considering tatum just turned 25 if the celtics have a top three pick again sometime in the next decade it sure as hell better be one that they acquired in a trade and not their own pick
0: yeah i agree with that i I, i'll stay with tatum here i I will say that brown's play recently has been unbelievable and and that's the reason why i have both of these guys you don't trade either one of these guys is because sometimes one of them is not great the other one is excellent and that helps you win games. So I do want to stay on Tatum just because, you know, again, final 10 games of the season, you're weighing certain things, health, position, um, you know, how well the team's playing collectively all together. I know we've kind of danced around this, but I'm just going to ask why point blank. Is the most important thing for the Celtics between here and the start of the playoffs getting Jason Tatum, right? Because, in my, from where I'm sitting, like you are not winning a title without him playing his best basketball, and if he's not going to be doing that, they have to find a way to make that happen. Am I wrong for that? No, I mean seating is irrelevant to health. Um, right. It doesn't matter. The teams that
1: win the championship are the teams that are the healthiest. It's pretty pretty much always, except for the bad. Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs>
0: they had all twenty two <laughs> starters healthy. Lost the game. Yeah. I mean, what well, hey, it's not football. It's a different right? sport, There's... man. Yeah,
2: I'm, yeah. I'm just pointing point that out. That's, that's, <laughs> that's one game. Out. That's anything can happen in one game. Look at what we've hey. seen in March Madness lately. We're talking it's about a seven. series,
1: man. A best of seven. Exactly. Yeah, that's, and that's why it's like your health. Go tell Purdue. Because... And everyone has to be healthy. Yeah. You need, you need to have your depth in place over the course of a series. You're going to win out in the end. If you have all those guys healthy. Um, and like, yeah, t- Tatum. Tatum stopped playing well after the second round last year because he was not really healthy anymore. His legs were shot. Uh, The wrist injury was an issue for him. It's like he was beat up, and there was more to it. Like, Golden State had an incredible defensive game plan. They were built to stop him really well. We still see it when he faces the Warriors. Draymond Green just has his number. Like, Draymond just knows how to pinch him with the help rotations in a way that just nobody else in the game does, which makes sense. Draymond's the best defender in the NBA. So, like, JT JT needs to be at his freshest, and that's why I would rather just kind of rest him more over these last few games, keep his minutes deflated for a little while to kind of just, like, help him ease up a little bit, keep him down to the 30 mark a little bit, or at least close to the 30 mark. Um, You know, probably ramp him up a little bit more as you get through this last stretch here of 10 games. But, like, they got to like this guy looks worn out the guy's having terrible shooting nights he's not getting up and getting good shots at the rack consistently the way he was before it's like very apparent that he's just not the same and it's on Missoula to like put his foot down and be like you gotta rest and we know JT hates it and JT says this stuff all the time of like I hate resting but it's like I don't think it's a hard sell to be like I know you hate resting but you probably hate losing the title more so we're gonna rest you (laughs) in these games that really aren't that important and, well, you know, interestingly,
2: it's like... too, it's it's a one-game sample, but just, you know, recency bias, thinking about the Utah game. You watch through that game, and I'm sure a lot of people listening did, and the first quarter in particular, and into the second quarter, and he, he's catching fire, and he's... You know, having some of those heat check moments, but generally hitting his shots, not going over the top, taking a whole bunch of shots. I think he was like four out of nine or whatever to start off, you know, which is not a not a big number. Uh, But you're looking at it. It's like, man, all right. Like, I, I think maybe he's turning the corner a little bit. And just in the scope of the same game, did he I don't he didn't have a single point the second half, did he? And and, you know, or if he did, he had like one not missed, uh, you know, missed the the. I mean, some bad shots, it, it just not even pretty, didn't even look good to your point, poor shot selection. It was just, it It almost, it It doesn't register with me what we're looking at sometimes with Jason Tatum. It it almost goes, I guess regression, as you noted before, is maybe the best way to look at it. And sort of, you know, when I say regression, I mean back into some of the bad habits.
0: Yeah, and it's not just that, it's just, you know, poor shot selection. That translates into effort on the defensive end. You know, then he's, you know, hanging back because he's mad at not getting a foul call. Now the other team's five on four. Like it does trickle down a little bit. And that's the thing that I wish didn't happen as much is that like sometimes his bad shot selection or his lack of something uh, leads to easy points to the other team. And now, you know, now you got to really, you know, really focus And that team. And this team, frankly, and just Jared has said has had a hard time focusing, especially the second half. And I, I don't know if it's just because the. You know, it's – they can't get up for these games, and and I totally understand that because it's like when you – the playoffs are a whole different animal. It's like a whole different season, but at the same time, you know, these are somewhat important to some people out there. And, it, you know, it like especially for me, like watching Grant actually hit shots last night was was a huge – like, okay, finally, like this guy's starting to put it together. You know, we got – you know, for – for certain guys, like the last ten games are going to be really important to get them in rhythm to get them ready for the playoffs, you know. And if if the leader of the team isn't, you know, one hundred percent in terms of certain a- avenues, it might it does to me. It looks like right now have a trickle down effect on the rest of the squad. It might be a little crazy though.
2: As long as Grant isn't taking the last shot of the night. <laughs> Guys, among the great many things that people were tweeting me about, uh, last night after that game, and really this has been fairly consistent in, in the last couple of months. Uh, I'm all too familiar as you guys are in your respective mentions from the first half of last year when you just, I, I can't even count the number of hashtag fire email tweets that I got. Well, uh, I mean, Joe Missoula's time to go, apparently, according to, uh, the, the vocal minority, uh, that is social media. Uh, there are so many tweets. I will just read one of them from Christine, which is, uh, sadly, it's looking like Boston has the wrong coach. It's hard to deny that his rotations are beyond questionable. His adjustments are non-existent. I think he gets exposed in the playoffs. On top of that, he's so arrogant with the media, most especially people like Jared Weiss, like he is a proven coach. It's hard to like him. I added the Jared Weiss part. Okay. Oh, what, what, what are, what are we thinking? Jared, in, in it's like, terms of, yeah. It's like, wow. She's, account last she's night. really been watching I mean, yeah. every presser. This is impressive. Uh, I, what do you think? Like, you know, I, I don't need to tell you guys and I don't need to tell the people listening that there are people out there that are really skeptical of, of Joe Missoula based on a, a, a litany of factors over the course of this year. We have, I think generally, Evan, uh, over the course of this year and, and with our various guests, uh, really pumped up Joe. We've been in favor of Joe, liked the hiring, liked him being, you know, getting the, the full head coach title and extension, not just the, you know, the interim tag and all that. Like we, we are generally Joe Missoula supporters here on this program, but we acknowledge, you know, even Bill Belichick is not without his flaws. So, what are we, what is your level of confidence in Joe Missoula as he ramps up for his first
1: playoff run as a head coach? Say moderately confident. I mean, these, that's not inspiring. No, well, right now you shouldn't be inspired. It's, it's too early to have a referendum on Joe. We'll see how he does in the playoffs. Uh, I can just say as far as the media thing like yeah it can be a pain in the ass at the podium and then you talk to him afterwards and he's he's great and it's like he's just he's doing a shtick at the podium I don't know why he does it so why he leans into it so strongly but like it's it's him doing it an act clearly or he's just pissed off after a game but like the talking to him it's it's he's a he's great to talk to when he's not in front of the mic um when he's in front of the mic sometimes it's great and sometimes it's terrible so you know but but I, I definitely really like joe a lot so i've i've enjoyed working with him so far this year and so um as far as his readiness i think that most people don't know what adjustments actually are so <laughs> they, uh, yes like like most people be like there are no adjustments when they like change up their coverage they change up their help. Um, they changed up their assignments like they started running different actions they switch from doing like spread pick and roll to uh, horns actions to set up elbow you know, elbow touches like stuff like that like they, they there's tons of stuff that changes that people don't notice change they only notice who's playing what minutes. That that's all that people really notice. And hey, maybe the person that tweeted is gonna respond like, no, they actually ran snap out at four, the four thirty seven <laughs> mark, and that was a t- that was the same thing they did in the first quarter. So yeah, maybe. But like, th- there's a lot more. Like adju- actual adjustments are way smaller. Actual adjustments are like the guy doing the weak side help is gonna live from the block to the second hash mark. Um, that you're gonna do. Up to touch coverage on a pick instead of deep drop, where the big is still dropping below the screen, but instead of going down to the free throw line, he's going to be within hand, you know an arm's reach of the screen. So like those are small adjustments that most people probably don't notice that do happen on a much more frequent basis. They're mostly going to notice like who started the second half, like when is Grant Williams checking in, that kind of thing. Um, I, I think Joe is doing what most coaches do, and Joe, I, I think the things that I've that I frankly have asked Joe about a lot has been like one he, when he's playing, when he's calling plays in the second half on the fly, can they execute out of that? And that's been spotty. I don't know if that's on him. I mean, their plays aren't that complicated. Uh, there's not a ton of them. It's, you know, it, it's and it really, I guess it's a matter of chain of communication on the floor and do you guys know where they're going? Um, So there's that, and then there's just, like, I think the ability to recognize when your team is getting beat in a certain area, how does he respond to that? And, I mean, in the Utah game, I think he did a nice job of they were getting crushed on the glass, so he went triple big. And he tried to match Utah's size and adjust to that. That was, like, a pretty big adjustment. He didn't play Derek White in the fourth quarter, and so people latched on to you didn't play Derek White in the fourth quarter, but, like, he needed to go with the bigs it was a gamble whether to go with, I guess, Muscala since Grant Williams is so hot. You had to play him at the four, but like go with Muscala or go with Derek white. I understand, you know, the, the, um, the consternation over that because white's a much better player, but would you rather have Muscala's length? Like does Derek white's ability to crash the glass really matter against a team that's playing that big? It probably makes more sense to have Muscala's length. So the Utah game is a good example of him adjusting, but did they lose too much offensive flow? You know, maybe, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like they topsided Grant Williams on the inbound, so they and they didn't put anybody on the inbounder, so it set Grant up to fail if he didn't commit to the play. And because mm-hmm. JT took that, um, took that crappy three, and they only had five seconds um, instead of like just they had five seconds to run a play there at the very end. Grant Williams didn't really have the time to be patient to set up the DHO after Utah was top-siding him. So he made the read, didn't work out. He at least tried to draw a foul, didn't work out at all. Um, and maybe, you know, I think most, most of the time Al Horford has the ball in that situation. Horford's bigger than he can finish. Grant was in a tough situation. They didn't have quite enough time for him to do what he you know probably wanted to do. But like that, that, game would have felt, I think, a lot different if they were able to close that one out. So I think Joe is doing a decent job making adjustments. I, I think Joe is dealing with, frankly, a lot of guys that are just uninspired right now, and it's because last year they sucked for a long time, then they got their shit together and they were cruising. But they—I don't remember. I don't think I remember them being super strong in like the very last weeks of the season. I think they could maybe like slowed it down a little bit there. Um, but this is a team that dominated so early that they're not in the midst of their rise anymore. They got so high; the only place they had to go was down. And so they're really right now. I think they're looking at the season as they're just tired of the regular season. They want to get to the playoffs. And is so, this a group
2: though that is seasoned enough? I know the run it went on, and most of that group is is still here. But is this a team that is seasoned enough, veteran enough, even in its experience, never mind age, that it can just flip that switch come the playoffs?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this team isn't as young as people think anymore. You know, Jalen and Jason are in their mid twenties now. Al Horford is in his mid fifties now. At Marcus least. Smart is deep into his <laughs> prime at this point. Brogdon is in, is deep into his prime. Derek White's in his prime. Like these, this this is actually a team in its prime now. And Rob Williams is no longer a future piece. Rob Williams has not demonstrated enough health for you to bank on his prime being something the Celtics can expect to be a fringe all-star caliber player. That's out the window now. It's like, it would it, be great if it happened, but you just can't bet on it anymore. Uh, he hasn't been that great this year. He's been, de- he's been solid this year, but he hasn't been as good as he was last year. And he is not healthy again. So, you know, the Celtics are not a team on the rise. The Celtics are a team in their window and they have the capability to open up another window down the road when Brown and Tatum are, are hitting like the thirties and they're going through their next contract. They definitely could do that. But like, this is their best chance. I mean, last year, whatever whenever you make the finals, that's your best chance. There is no best mm-hmm. chance after that. And right now this is their best chance. And it was a hell of a bet by the organization to give Joe the extension instead of letting him try to win before or letting him get the playoff tests before he won. That was a big bet by them. But Missoula has the basketball acumen to do it. It's just that being a head coach, it's less about your X and O structure. It's more about your decision making, your ability to establish power in your game management. And we saw that was a huge strength for Udoka last year. And as much as Udoka like really as much as Udoka changed up the system in ways that were really beneficial for the team, he was good because he was able to kind of have that epiphany moment for this team and they really cruise off of that epiphany. But they're past the epiphany now. It's You have a ton of energy and excitement when you first solve a problem. But then the hard part from there is, like, recognizing that once you no longer have that fresh excitement of living in a new world, can you actually live in it? And they're having trouble doing that.
2: Can we humor something that you just brought up, the the big bet by the organization to, you know, give Joe, obviously, the, the deal and the title and everything before the end of the season? I, I think there were... And I'll I'll speak for myself here as well. I think there were so many people just calling for it to happen, or in my case, viewed it as, regardless of when it happens, viewed it as an inevitability, like Joe is going to be the head coach of this team. He is going to be here for years to come that I honestly, and maybe part of it was how well they were playing at the time too, but I just didn't really even consider the other side of that coin. Let's say they hadn't, doesn't matter. They did, but let's say they hadn't giving him the title, giving them the extension, they go out, they flame out in the second round of the playoffs. Do you think this team would have
1: a different coach next year? Maybe. Huh. That's a great question. Um, consider it, it would have to be a pretty bad flame out. If they, if they had a good season like they have, and then they made it and they lost to Milwaukee or Philly in a tough series – I don't. I think they would probably do a search, and they would probably go with him. Um, but like, if they completely fell on their face, like if they if they lost in the first round to like Miami or something like that, because Tyler Hero kept destroying their pick and roll coverage, you know that I could I could see them looking elsewhere, but. Joe I mean like I think people are too freaked out by Joe who's like a little bit unconventional and stuff but like they've been too freaked out by some of the you know rough edges around Joe's tenure that they're kind of missing that like he's had a really good season like they are they are very good he did a phenomenal job weathering the storm early Joe took a few Joe Joe ceded so much power to the players early on um I thought he I thought he went overboard with it um and I think that has come back to bite him as time has gone on. Um, you know, and we're just I'm waiting to see him like really hold the jays accountable or like really hold people accountable and he doesn't really hasn't really done that yet. and email was great at that like email was just <laughs> be like this guy sucks right now, you know and it was <laughs> it was incredibly entertaining we uh, it was a lot of fun um and it worked and it worked and he created this he created the culture where people or he came in at a time where people were willing to accept that. And I think everyone's ego got so inflated after that run last year. It's really hard to then come in again as the next substitute and be able to put your foot down, especially when you walk into it being like, I'm not going to do that. I trust these guys. This is their team. Um, You know, it's really hard for Joe to then take the, like to take the reins again after he kind of handed it to them. And so it does feel like Joe's been struggling through that a little bit. Um, but also there just hasn't been much consistency for this team health wise. And so we just don't get to see many stretches where he really has all of his pieces in a rhythm. And so if you get him to the playoffs and he's got most of his guys, I think things will look a little, a, a lot better, frankly.
0: Yeah. No, and I was like just, you said, we just, just can't bank on the health. Yeah. I was going through, because we mentioned this a while ago, how the Celtics finished the season and we you know, not totally sure if the Celtics finished the season really strong. Um, Ah, uh, they did. <laughs> I'm, I'm going through. Let's see here. Uh, one, two, three. Uh, this is awful podcasting, but I'm doing this kind of in real time. Um, sorry, we're here for I mean, you. You need us to fill 15.
1: time. Yeah, we'll wait. It's we'll fifteen.
0: Wait. So they went eleven and four in the last fifteen games. Um, including a huge win over Golden State at Golden State by almost thirty. Um, beat the crap out of Sacramento, beat the crap out of Denver, beat the, uh, uh, I nine point win against Oklahoma City, destroyed Utah. I mean, they, they had a, a 42 point win over the, over the poor Wizards at towards the end of the year. Uh, they were playing much better and you felt much better going into the postseason about this particular team. Um, it was just more about the health of Rob and how he would, how he would bounce back. And here we are again. You know, where is where is Rob in terms of like well, how does he look when he comes back? Um, how do they manage his minutes? One of the big things, Jared, that and I, I know what your answer is gonna be to this because I think uh I think I understand kind of we've been talking for several years in this show. I think I have an understanding of where you're gonna lie on this. But everybody's been trying to throw some cold water on the double big lineup and then of course they go triple big last night. Um, do you think it's in Boston's best interest? To always roll with Rob and Al, or is it more match dependent as we get more towards the playoffs?
1: I think starting starting games, they're probably going to do double big, mm-hmm. uh, just because Al's been so good this year that you don't need like you're you're fine with him covering wings for the most part. Um, and then I, I think just early in the games, being able to funnel everything into Rob, just it's good for the team because one. It takes a little bit of pressure on their point of attack defense to be great out the gate, and it allows them to really practice some of their weak side recovery stuff. So it's actually pretty good for having guys communicate and move horizontally across the floor and kind of get into that flow of really working together. So I actually think it's better for them to do that because um, when they when they don't have Rob out there, it's like very switch heavy, and it's just like it's like you're almost playing a zone. I think you can sometimes get kind of like you know, slow down a little bit uh, because you're not having to process as much when you're doing it that way. Uh, and then also with Rob out there, they are able to get out and run more because of all the plays he makes at the rim defensively. And so I think it's good for them to get out and run and have energy early on. So I would rather start with Rob and Al out there together. Al has been too good. You can't put him on the bench. So we can't start Derek because of that. So I would stick with that double big lineup when they're healthy. Um, just because of that one trade that Rob gives them the potential to get off and running early on. Uh, Even though their best lineup this year has been Al the five with white in there. And so that's how they're going to close most games. I presume. I don't think Rob's going to close games. I agree. Probably, probably certain scenarios, but I mean, that's how it was last year. It's kind of how it's always been for the most part. Sometimes he did, but like Al Horford is close to leading the NBA in shooting. He's been like one of the best shooters in the NBA. That's unbelievable, man. Yeah. He's unbelievable. He's still playing really good defense. He's still making good reads on offense. Like he's still a really good player. And so he's you know, he's one of your best players. And uh you're gonna close with him. And Rob is just not that guy right now. Rob is just not a persistent looming threat on each end in the way that he was last year. He still operates pretty well within his sphere. But like last year, he was just a ball of energy breaking up stuff all over the place. And right now he's more just kind of filling his role more, more defensively. I think he's actually pretty fine. He's not quite there yet, but he's pretty fine, but just offensively, you just don't really feel his presence through the actions as much anymore. He, most of what comes to him is really just clean up stuff from the dunker spot and the occasional occasional lot, but they haven't really found his rhythm being a functional part of the offense in the same way that he was last year. And so I, I think that it's possible that, I mean, I don't really see them bringing in Rob off the bench uh, to start the games. I just don't think their lineups work that way so much, but, and they've had a pretty good rotation of like taking out Rob at a certain point to putting it back in with a certain lineups, that kind of thing. So they kind of have their balance figured out there. I, I think they can kind of do a lot of the same stuff from last year with that. Um, and also I like having Malcolm working with uh, Rob in the second unit, just because like, he's someone that can get downhill and he can get Rob a lot yeah. of lob actions. So that makes sense. So yeah, I think start double big still for the most part, depending on your matchup. I'm trying to think off the top of my head who there could be. Horford still works against Miami. Um, Horford still works against Brooklyn. So, yeah, who, whoever they're going to see in the first round probably Atlanta with Horford yeah. starting. Atlanta, yeah, Horford works against Collins. So, yeah, so they're going to start Robin and Ally, I would assume. Is that all what you expected, Evan, from from JR?
0: Um, You know, it's funny. I I I kind of thought that uh he would lean more into the matchup dependent thing, but I I kind of he kind of cross matched a little bit. Well, I do, I did. Say, I like, did. It's yeah.
1: the that that those are the matchups, the and that works yeah. for all those. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's well, it. so I, I, let's 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 talk matchups because you know we've yeah. you're t- you're sitting here, you're talking closing lineups, you're talking. You know, we were talking about Joe Missoula. Let's let's converge the group into the ball that is that loss against Utah and and Derek White. People are just, you know, beside themselves, and I am one of them, even when I try and explain it away to myself about the fact that Derek White did not play, despite playing reasonably well during the night, and no Marcus Smart obviously, did not play a single minute, not a moment of that fourth quarter. And I realized that Malcolm was playing really well. I realized wanting to have the bigs out there because of the size of Utah's players you know in, in the what what they were doing schematically speaking but you just like Forsberg tweeted out you know a little earlier today just the the larger sample size Celtics played 162 crunch time minutes this season Derek white has been on the floor for 55 uh 55 and a half of those so it's about 34% boston has played Sixty overtime minutes this season, White has been on the floor for sixteen of those, which is about twenty seven percent. It just feels like last night being one example, even to I'm, I'm not saying it's why they lost, I'm not smart enough to know that, but I feel like there are many instances that a game will end. It will be a close loss, one, two, three, four points, and I'm you know Derek White wasn't a part of it after having a a pretty good night, and I'm sitting there going. All right, Joe, uh, you know, you know, all this better than I do. No question, but where the hell was Derek tonight? (laughs) Why are we seeing any Derek in the fourth quarter? Or why aren't we seeing Derek on the floor late as part of a, 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 a close and late situation? What, what is the hang up there? Uh, if, if there is one that has sort of, I don't want to say Derek White's fallen out of favor. That's not the case, but he's just not getting these opportunities at these times that, stupid fans like me sit and watch and say where's Derek
1: you're not stupid because you're right and you know I, I said before that Joe wanted to match up the bigs for Utah but like it didn't work in the fourth quarter and I think one of the complaints about Joe has been whether he responds to things not working in a timely manner and if initially that was the timeouts and I never had as big of a problem with the timeouts. At least early on, he was, like, very much like, I want them to work through these issues. At a certain point, you got to, like, start actually changing your process when it's not yielding results. But, you know, he probably could have gone with White at some point in crunch time and recognized, like, all right, this isn't really working for us. We need a better finisher. Um, He also went with Sam Hauser instead of White at a certain point. Where I don't know if that because I think that was early in the quarter, right? If I'm, I, I believe so. Yeah, so it's like maybe that was like it's early in the quarter. White's probably going to close, and then he probably made a split decision potentially to go with, I guess, Muscala over White. And so, I mean, Cornette did not. Cornette matches up with Walker Kessler, but Kessler beat him. Um, you know, Muscala I just didn't really think that he ended up making much of an impact at the rim for what they wanted him to do there. So it probably, it, it could have worked to just put white in there. And I would have rather had white in there for offensive reasons. Cause like, if you're already not getting what you need defensively out of that lineup, then at that point, if it's not making a difference, you might as well just get in your better offensive decision makers. Also white shooting pretty well this year. So I'd rather have him out there just even as a shooter or it, it, if you're just looking for a shooter and you're choosing between Hauser Muscala and white, I'd definitely rather have white because he's close to being able to do a spot up shot like those guys, then there's just so much more for you. So, you know, he's really been playing Hauser a lot lately and it's generally okay. If it's like, just like Hauser versus Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchard. Although I think Grant is proving that he's better than Sam Hauser as if we really need to know that. So I don't know why <laughs> they didn't just give him the minutes that Hauser's getting, but uh, you know, like Derek White shouldn't be missing fourth quarters. There should be room for him. You know, if White comes in at the eight-minute mark and then you only play him three minutes, you take him out at the five-minute mark, then, like, so be it. I just don't know. At a certain point, he must have like, – I feel like there are there points in that fourth quarter where they could have been like, all right, this triple big lineup isn't working for us. We need more offensive invigoration and running off of makes or misses or both to be able to, like, just, like, outscore them because we're not getting the stops. And I think that's putting putting a white should have been the move. I agree with that.
2: All right, got to let you go in uh, another couple minutes here. So uh, last thing for me, and then if Evan has anything else for you as well, but uh, like I said, 10 games left in this season. You got the one left on the road trip. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that health – Is, is the priority over seeding? I think that's, you know, when you have a good team, that's always the way you're not as worried about matchups. Not that, you know, I'm eager to see Miami in round one as you alluded to before, but, uh, hopefully that won't happen, obviously. But what, what short of getting Jason Tatum right and hoping that Rob can come back for a healthy postseason? What is the priority these last 10 games for anyone, be it a specific player, the team overall for Joe to get himself in the right headspace?
1: What what are we focused in on here? I think Joe needs to – the most important thing is that like Celtics are winning games and they're blowing them in the fourth quarter a lot of the time. So Joe needs to – he and also I don't think it's the second units in the fourth quarter. It's really mostly these closing lineups. They come in either under duress because something was happening right before or they just come in and they're kind of flat. And so Joe needs to, one, get the running mentality back. Like this team needs to be a running team again. They, they've lost a lot of their pace. Um, take the ball out of the Jays' hands and crunch time and really lean into Brogdon Smart as your playmakers. Um, they, they There's been a few games here where the Jays were just like not making good plays, and then Brogdon or Smart would get in there, and he, they, they would start attacking and actually getting the dribble penetration. So I, I think he needs to really lean into those guys running offense in the fourth quarter and get some fourth quarter flow. That's number one. Um finding a way to get the williams is both back in there in the regular rotation like i think we've seen now these last couple of games like grant got back in there for these last two games and it's been playing really well and like when grant has confidence he's hitting shots and his defense Steven doesn't quite as good this year as it was last year um like guys are getting around him a little bit more you know Nikhil alexander walker got around him in isolation for a big bucket no it was a uh, i think it was taylor horton tucker too yeah. many too many guys with three names. Um, It was THT got by him for, like, a really nice bucket. Like, sure, it's going to happen, but, like, that's a play in crunch time that I think Grant usually, after that second dribble, can stay just in front of him to wall him off, and Grant just couldn't do it. And so, like, I know Grant's been playing hurt. You know, he's got some – he has some lower body stuff earlier in the year. I reported on his elbow thing. Like, Grant's been playing hurt for a lot of the season, um, and maybe that explains a little bit of his defensive drop-off, at least guarding on the perimeter. But generally, he's still – better guarding the perimeter than most of their other backup options so i think grant is i think this has been a reminder that grant should be out there and so they need to find a clear home for him in the rotation because if they're facing miami in the first round it is go time for grant like grant is a huge part of that matchup and he needs to be 100 percent confident and the team needs to know like we we don't know what the rotation is man like we just haven't seen it consistently they need to have a very clear rotation they need to know they don't want to be predictable to the point that the opponent knows where they are, but the team at least needs to have a feel for like where like where's my rhythm. And at least during the playoffs, it's like you're facing the same team for several weeks, so there's no more of the changes night to night like you have right now. So Joe's gonna pick something; he's gonna stick to it, presumably. I have anything, Dad?
0: Uh, I'll, I'll throw a softball here for the last one for Jared. Uh, I don't know if people follow Jared on Instagram. I highly recommend doing so because it's really <laughs> fun to watch. Considering your travels, chair, what's it like being the most interesting man on the Celtics beat?
1: I mean, I don't usually drink. Uh, I can't remember Dosa the name Keys? of the beer that the, has the Celtics. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, oh okay. No, no. There, well, there's a beer that does a Celtics flavor. I can't remember it. Um, I don't. I definitely don't. I know. know I know they had the Jack Abbey partnership. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, okay. I Abby, drink nice. Jack Abbey when I do. I don't usually drink beer when I do. It's Jack Abbey. Jack yeah. Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I nailed that one. Perfect. Yeah, we Actually, got that. Right. We got that. <laughs> Got I'm about it. to hit the Southie parade, so I guess I'll find some Jack Abbey there. <laughs> there you go. My first time too; I've never gone. It's too ratchet for me, but I figure, what the hell, might as well.
0: Why not? What else do you doing on it, man. Yeah, yeah, I got to right? finish
1: writing my story and then I'll, then I'll go check it out. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: it's not like you're getting ready to hop a flight to Sacramento or anything like that. So, oh,
1: they, thankfully not. Although, actually, I, I, I'm sad I'm missing Sacramento. Jay King's on that trip. I'm kind of jealous of it. He's the biggest Kings fan in the world, so I'm very happy for him. the beam, baby. I want to see them. Like that MF beam. I want to see the Celtics. <laughs> Moves. I can see that. Honestly, there. I think
0: the Kings are the most fun storyline of 2023, and it's not even close. It's been awesome. No, not even close to that. Yeah.
1: Shout out Mike Brown, easy coach of the year candidate. Not even and close. Darren, Cl- Darren Fox going to win clutch play of the year too, most likely, yeah. unless yeah. unless Jason Tatum figures his shit out which i don't think is gonna happen nah, i don't think I'll go, take it. I'll go full circle too. a
2: uh a, a buddy of ours seth who comes on this show from time to time and is part of our you know celtics in-game text chain uh will uh he, he wrote recently he's like you know i'm because he watches league pass everything everywhere all the time he's like i gotta tell you kyle draper might be one of my favorite broadcasters in the league in terms of play-by-play i was like man yes, i did yeah i never uh and i did mark did, jones man mark jones <laughs> also great it's a very limited sample size, obviously, when he would fill in for Gorman back when he was here. So, and, you know, he's yeah, apparently crushing the
1: opportunity out there. Yeah, Love. Kings fans are blessed. They've got a great team. They got a great commentary. I mean, the fact that they have Mark Jones and Kyle Mark Barber, Jones. Are like the yeah. fact that they have Mark Jones doing their games is like kind of nuts. Like, he's awesome. he's my favorite guy nationally, mm. um, and Drapes is really good too. So yeah, they uh, they got a stacked uh, lineup there, and they have a they have like a genuinely entertaining team. I don't know if they've ever played yeah. defense before, but. It's you know, okay. Vivek, Vivek doesn't believe in defense, right? He's running. Four you know, five, possessions. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep it up. Uh, entertaining lineup
2: here too. When it's healthy. It's just, we, we don't see that too often, but uh we're good. We're, we're here. Valenti Kaufman and Weiss. So thanks for being with us. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff here with Celtics beat. Thank you to all of our sponsors for this program. Obviously without you. Uh, we would be here, but it wouldn't be nearly the same. So, uh, we hope you guys all stick around with us. And, uh, without the listeners, we literally would just be talking to ourselves. So, uh, we'll see you later. Hopefully the Celtics finish strong here, but we'll, uh, check in again after the next few games.